This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. My guest this week is the musician Trey Pearson, and the track you're hearing right now is from his first solo album, Love is Love. Trey was the lead singer of the popular Christian rock band Everyday Sunday, and two years ago he came out publicly as gay. We talk about his experiences on the Christian rock circuit, and he speaks at length about how he wrestled with his sexuality for years, and how it impacted his marriage and, well, his entire life. As always, it's best to let him tell the story. Trey's poured a lot of these experiences into this newest album, and he's currently on the road. You can find his upcoming tour dates online at treypearson.com, and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at treypearson. You can find his album, Love is Love, on Spotify and anywhere else you stream or purchase music. As always, you can find me on Twitter at brchastain, follow the show at Pod, and join the Exvangelical Facebook group over on Facebook. You can support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash exvangelicalpod. And I always appreciate it if you do take a couple of minutes to go over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and rate and review the show there. It helps more people find the show and is a huge help. All right, everyone, let's get into it. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Exvangelical. My guest this week is Trey Pearson. Trey is a singer-songwriter who spent um, much of his career in a Christian rock band and then um, a couple of years ago uh, came out and and is now a solo artist and has um, just released his newest, uh, I'm sorry, his first solo album, Love is Love. Welcome to the show, Trey. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm really glad we were able to uh, to arrange this. Um, yeah. We actually we, had... <laughs> let's go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, now I was just going to explain how we met. But Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we were going the same way. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we actually... We met a year ago, right? That's right. Yep. Um, I was performing a show in Indiana, mm-hmm. and you happened to know a good friend of mine. And uh, came along for the ride. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, if there are any longtime listeners, it was actually John Jonathan Dodrell who was the first uh, guest on the show on episode. Really? One. So, <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah. So I gotta go a... to the archives. <laughs> yeah. So you actually know uh, John from from your from growing up, right? And yeah, we yeah. went to youth camp together. Oh, okay. Um, so we sort of met, um, as teenagers and, uh, uh, had, uh, close friend, like a close friend that we were both very connected to and, uh, and yeah, just kind of hit it off and became friends and, Mm -hmm. um, have sort of stayed in touch over the years and both, uh, sort of progressed, uh, you know, faith wise, I'd say in a similar trajectory. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, we've always kind of been able to have those sorts of conversations, yeah, that's great. So, you, so you mentioned that you met at youth camp. So, let's one of the where we generally start with these con- conversations is um, is getting a good sense of like of your upbringing and and how you were sort of initially exposed to religion and that sort of stuff. So, wh- yeah. how did that play into your life and and where sure. did you grow up? That sort of thing. Uh, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I still live most of the time. I. Uh, 
I grew up in um, actually a small town out right outside the city uh, where I was raised in a very Calvinistic uh, five point Calvinism non denominational mm. church. Uh, so pretty pretty Baptist, but um, maybe even more. Uh, I don't know, maybe even more fundamentalist and um, doubling down on the predestination and uh, eternal security and all those kinds of things that come with uh, anybody that's familiar with that that kind of world of Calvinism. Uh, yeah, um, for sure. So I grew up heavily entrenched in that, and uh, and as a teenager, when I was 14, I got invited to a Wesleyan youth group, which would be uh, the same den- denomination that I met, you know, our, our mutual friend mm-hmm. and, um, uh, got very involved in the youth group there. Eventually started going to church there all the time. My family stayed at the, the, the Calvinist church, but I, uh, I got very Im- involved there. And so, um, Wesleyan, uh, to explain to people that aren't familiar would be similar to, uh, Nazarene, which are these kind of small uh they're like a little more fundamentalist evangelical break off uh versions of methodists yep. and so um you know really big uh on the no drinking no smoking uh you know don't cuss be a good christian kind of uh sort of mentality right. and uh um yeah but they're very different uh from my perspective growing up in the sense that they believed in uh, free will and, uh, <laughs> you know, things like that, which was, uh, you know, f- a weird thing for a teenager to wrestle with. Uh, uh, <laughs> right, you know, right. most of my other friends were, were wrestling with much different things than <laughs> me at, the, at that point, like what girl they wanted to sleep with or you know, I didn't, I didn't want to sleep with any girl and I was wrestling with, uh, predestination and free will and so yeah it is kind of a weird mixed bag and right. which you know i'm sure most people listening have their own ingredients of their own weird mixed bag but right. that is yeah. mine i'm sure that, that, so i'm sure that the, the people can probably relate relate to that that listen to yeah. the show at least you know of yeah yeah weird like youth group <laughs> like angst yeah, so, over over which is true, your Wesleyan right. Arminian friends or your <laughs> your, your five point. Yeah, Calvinist. so as much as I I um, grew up in this sort of yeah very um, super Christian family, I don't know mm-hmm. that um, I I was very in love with the Bible and with my faith uh, from the time I was a a small kid. Yeah, um, but I didn't know a whole lot about Christian music growing up. Uh, until I ended up in this youth group. And so um, I, I'd heard of a couple artists, but not really. And um, and then I got involved in this youth group, and all of a sudden we're going to, like, Christian rock concerts. And, uh, you know, it was uh, the whole gamut. So uh, at 14, I got heavily influenced by that. Now, I also grew up teaching myself how to play piano, and I uh, grew up actually doing professional theater downtown Columbus, uh, through middle school and into high school. Hmm. And so when I got invited to this youth group, I loved performing on stage. I loved singing. Um, I, and um, there were these kids at this youth group that would uh, write songs and play them for the youth group. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. So I uh, knew how to 
play chords on a piano and I thought, hey, I could do that. So I decided to write some songs and put a band together to play them. And so I was, you know, it was just like this very influential time in, in my life as an adolescent where mm-hmm. I, I put this rock band together and, um, you know, had enough arrogance to think I could uh, do it for a living. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, uh, I went to college for a year at Indiana Wesleyan University. Hey, hey, and, uh, yeah, represents. Exciting. <laughs> uh, and um, I decided at that point, what am I doing here? I should drop out and try to get a record deal. So I did. And, um, yeah, so I took this Christian band that I had, I, I made a full length independent album and I signed a record deal and, um, start, went out on tour and basically have been touring, uh, pretty much my whole adult life. Mm. And that's sort of, <laughs> I think, the basis of like what the trajectory of my of my growing up was like because I was so um moved and excited by these uh sort of bands that had the same faith as mine mm-hmm. um it was something that I just felt like so so much a part of that uh that I really wanted to use my talents to um <laughs> laugh at the phrasing but like to make an impact for the kingdom of god you know right and yeah. uh and i thought wow like that sounds awesome so and it so, was very genuine for you like that was like a very yeah genuine absolutely ambition mm-hmm. and, and drive yeah yeah for sure hmm. that's great i mean like it seems like it came from like a um a more you know purely motivated place than a opportunistic sort of I'm going to crack into the Christian market and then, you know, like, uh, and then pivot or what's the, be a crossover right. hit or whatever, you know, yeah. this was actually yeah, something I think that, that you wanted I mean, in that space. Right. I think, uh, you quickly getting into the industry and sort of seeing behind the curtain and, uh, how it all is, uh, it was easy to quickly realize it wasn't like what I thought it was going to be like. Mm. And, um, um, I would say that, yeah, those goals definitely changed over the years. And, um, I, I realized that, you know, in, in quick time as a young adult that's touring the world, you, you know, it's kind of this thing where you want to be known for your music and not, you know, just sort of some, what you're writing, you know, just, just your, I don't know. There's quickly became these ideas of like, are we selling Jesus or, you know, what, what is Christian music? And, uh, why is this Christian when, you know, you see all the things going on behind, how is this different? Uh, right. uh, Yeah. There, there, there were a lot of, a, a lot of questions that came up and, and I think, one one amazing thing that comes from from touring and, and, and traveling around the world is you really see a lot of people that do live differently than you, that think differently than you, and it really challenges your worldview. And um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I definitely know I wouldn't be where I am or like the person I am if if it hadn't have happened that way. And so, so that's interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Like uh, I'm, I'm curious to to hear a little bit more about that as far as both like how when you're in this sort of you're I, I feel like Christian artists are expected to be you know, 
professional Christians. You know, they're supposed sure, to be these, yeah. they're supposed to like, they are supposed to have this sort of approach and have this, okay, I'm a musician, but I'm also uh, like a Christian. And so like my music. And- yeah. And not just a Christian you, they, the audience wants you to be the kind of Christian they are. And to think, uh, mm-hmm. like kind of have the same, the same beliefs and worldview and perspective. And all of a sudden you find yourself playing in thousands of different churches all over the world. And all these churches have different beliefs about different things. And, um, and so that was very interesting in a sense of, you know, I think the most nerve wracking things were when you would go into these more, uh, charismatic churches Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they expected you to believe in what they what they believe about, like, uh, what is it, being slain in the spirit or speaking yeah. in tongues or, or the, you know, like uh, um, kind of things that creeped me out, to be to be quite honest. And I did I did not grow up in in any of those sort of environments, but I've definitely seen a lot of it now, which is <laughs> which is which is different. But I think um wasn't just that, but uh, multiple things that really kind of led me to keep challenging myself why I thought what I thought. And, um, you know, I think I already had that sort of thing in me as a kid that, that, uh, that had grown up with this sort of certain way of seeing the Bible and my faith. I got challenged quickly as a, as a young teenager, uh, moving to a, a different denomination, uh, going, you know, just even the idea of free will versus predestination, like, yeah. does God pick you or do you pick God? And, um, <laughs> yeah. are, you know, were you already saved before you were born? And I, like, that's a, a, a weird thing to deal with, but it all, I think, you know, like that's something I was still wrestling with, like even going off to school at Indiana Wesleyan and, mm-hmm. um, kind of coming to the place as a young adult of like, is it okay if I just don't know if I don't have an answer for this? And, um, but it, I think it was that kind of wrestling with it that really led me to keep wrestling with all sorts of things into adulthood as I traveled and would play at these conferences and festivals and churches and, uh, Christian events. And, um, that really just like, uh, challenged and eventually shattered my worldview. And then, um, you know, I think as a young, young adult in the middle of all that to have, this uh, guy, Rob Bell, come out with this book called Velvet Elvis uh, that sort of scared the shit out of me um, <laughs> in the sense of, oh, wait, can that, can that be true? Like, what, 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 what does he mean if, um, if Mary wasn't a virgin? Like, would my faith crumble? Of course it would crumble, you know? <laughs> and uh, and uh, I think that definitely uh, was probably the biggest thing that had, uh, sort of caused a major shift in, in, in my thinking and how I, how I was looking at the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So that book was like sort of one, the, one of the, one of the sort of things that started you yeah, questioning and, yeah. and sort of looking at, looking at evangelicalism as this sort of rep- 
tried trying to represent all of Christianity in a perfect sort of way. Like I might be putting yeah, words in your mouth a little the, bit there. The <laughs> very beginning of it, but um, why? And and then I would say uh, which time that I read it because every time <laughs> I read it, I was at a different place in my journey and still progressing mm-hmm. and. Um, I started even seeing things in that book in a new way that I wasn't even able to see the first time or the previous time that I had read it. And, um, yeah, that, that, that book changed my life. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm sure other things are around my circumstances help helped that along, but yeah, that, I would say that was the gateway drug for sure. Mm-hmm. And so you started to like sort of compare your, what you were learning from a book from this book to the sort of experiences and what you saw modeled like in the places you were at. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and with the way that lived out with, uh, with my bandmates, with the people we would meet on the road, uh, and, and, um, just everywhere we would go, you know, I've been in all 50 States and I've been in 20 countries. And I, uh, I think that has constantly been, um, things that have challenged me and challenged my faith. Like, why do I think this? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, to be quite honest, I was so into, uh, Rob and what he was teaching Rob Bell, uh, that, um, I had some days off up in Grand Rapids and decided to go to his church. And I thought I got to meet this guy. And, um, so, so I did. And, uh, we actually, became friends and he became quite a mentor of mine. And instead of just like straight out teaching me stuff, he, uh, he would, uh, let me ask him whatever questions I wanted to ask him. Mm. And then instead of, instead of giving me answers, he would give me books to read. (laughs) And, and then he would have me write what I thought about the book to him. So I'd write these essays, like full out essays to him (laughs) about what I thought about these books. And, uh, Yeah, that really took me along in my journey as far as, um, you know, figuring out what what were the right questions. And I think I think I was already figuring that out. But each each of those answers led to more questions. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember the first time that I wrote him, I was so nervous to ask this. And this is really funny to me now. But at the time, it scared me. But I wrote him an email. I said, is it, do you think it's possible to, to be a Christian and, um, put your faith in Jesus and not believe that God wrote every word of the Bible? They <laughs> 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 like to believe that it's infallible or, and, right. and I think, I think he got such a kick out of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he just said, Hey, you're actually, um, he's like, you're actually asking questions that most people that grow up in that tribe can never ask that will never be able to. And, uh, and, and so that, that moment when that clicked, when he sort of affirmed, like said it was okay for me to ask that question. Um, I, that was definitely the radical shift in, in how I was seeing things and allowed me to really, uh, start looking back at all the things that I thought in new ways that I, that I hadn't even been able to allow myself to think before. Like that didn't even seem like an option growing up. Like that was never on the the plate, you know? And what's crazy is 
how I grew up um, assuming that the idea that the Bible is inerrant or infallible or all these words mm-hmm. that we've come up with, right. um, that that was somehow like one of the things like Jesus taught or something like, hey, a few hundred years from now, somebody's going to put together all these you know, letters <laughs> and books and you have to believe that all that is inerrant or you can't follow me. Like, you know, like, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow. Like, I cannot believe I was so brainwashed and so entrenched in this culture, uh, this evangelical culture, mm-hmm. you know, in our time and place today right. that I couldn't even allow my brain to go there. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's a weird thing. Absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. And, 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 you know, so by this point I was, um, already, so yeah, to, to make everything way more complicated, uh, at this point I was already married. I had, um, a little baby girl. I had another little baby boy on the way hmm. and, um, and I was not able to process this at this point yet, but I, I was gay <laughs> and, um, uh, I, I think you know, these things that I had not even been able to allow myself to think, uh, as a, as a kid, uh, to, to believe that God would hate me if I was gay, that, uh, that being gay is a choice. Um, all, all these things that are a part of that culture yeah. that, um, sees the Bible a very specific way. And even though there are 33,000 denominations or, or whatever it is, uh, there are certain <laughs> no-nos, you know, and one of those is you cannot be gay. Like, uh, God hates homosexuality. You'll burn. Uh, no child of God can be in that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and as somebody who grew up uh, wanting to be in love, wanting to have a family, wanting to experience all those things, I just uh, believed that um, – that I was supposed to fall in love with a woman and that's what God's will for me was. And so, um, even though I never, (laughs) I had like a few girlfriends that all lasted like way longer than you think they would when when there's no physical chemistry there. Like I never even made out with a girl before I got married. And, uh, the, the most I ever did with a girl is like a pack good (laughs) night. And, um, so to, to sort, it was very easy to like quote unquote stay pure until marriage, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and so I had put all my faith into believing that was part of the package deal. That was God's will for me. And so there was this girl that, uh, you know, that I did love. Like she was a great friend. We had fun together. Um, and I thought, yeah, she's the kind of person I could see myself having a family with. And there's this thing and that I'd never been able to share with anybody uh, in the back of my mind of, oh gosh, I hope I can be physically attracted to her. But, you know, in in my mind, my brainwashed mind, I thought, but, you know, when it's like being in a cult and, and you can't really see the the logic of it until you're out of the cult and, and sort of like, I don't know if you've ever seen the M night Shyamalan movie, the village, but this pretty much wraps up being an evangelical, like you're (laughs) stuck in this village until you get outside of it and you find the street and that there's like, you know, 
uh, modern technology. Right. <laughs> and you look back <laughs> and you realize, oh my gosh, what was I doing? Right. But it's like you just can't see it when you're so brainwashed and entrenched in it. And yeah, yeah. and that's it's so, that's where yeah. I was. And Absolutely. so, um, you know, so I wanted. I wanted to fall in love with this girl and I didn't know, I didn't have anything to compare it to. I, um, you know, I'd never had sex with a guy. I'd never gotten to make out with a guy. Like I, I didn't believe that was God's will for me. And even though I'd like, uh, definitely had those attractions and feelings, I felt shame, deep shame. And, and because I felt that deep shame, that didn't seem right either. You know, like that, that was not my logical go-to growing up in that. And so, uh, for anybody listening, I woke up with no voice this morning, so I'm try- I'm trying to uh, make it through here, but I, yeah, uh, you, you're, you're braving uh, it. Dude. I, I appreciate I, it. I, uh, no, it's no worries. I just, I sound so raspy right now, but it's fine. Anyway. It's okay. You, uh, if you want, you can take a break and, and go grab some water real fast. I mean, oh yeah, it's fine. I have some tea right here. Okay. But, right. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, but you know, growing up, so I, I had nothing to compare it against. I didn't know what it was supposed to feel like. And I do think maybe there was a sort of sad feeling in me at some point where I was just like, well, maybe this is what being in love is. Maybe this is how it's supposed to feel. Because I thought and hoped for so long it would feel different. And, um, and then I think I just thought, you know, if I'm faithful to God, if I, um, if I do the right thing by, by being straight and, uh, and not, not being gay. And then, then if I put my faith in that, then when I get married, hopefully prayerfully fingers crossed, it will just all magically work. And I, I literally believe that. And, um, of course I feel terrible about it now, but in that moment it was very, this pure thought of, like how I had grown up being taught, like this was the right thing to do. And so, um, so I did, I got married and then found out very quickly, uh, even that first week of my marriage where my mind would have to go to even be able to try to perform. And, um, and it became very torturous very quickly for both of us. Uh, I think I thought, why isn't this working? It's got to get better. And then all of a sudden I found myself, you know, years into my marriage, still hoping and wishing for the same things to get better and 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 it's weird that i just compartmentalized it so much that um that i just yeah i kept hoping something would change that would make it different and it, and it never did and of, of course but uh it's hard to see when you're on the other side Hey Jesus, can you hear me now? It's been a while since I came out. I was wondering, do you love me the same? You see, I've loved you since I was young. Tried to be the greatest son. Now I'm wondering, couldn't they love me the same? Cause I know that I never change I tried so hard brought so much pain and I just want to be loved for who I am and so yeah so I um had two kids and then two summers ago I uh or well 
two summers ago I came out publicly to my fans, but uh, about seven months before that, I sort of came to this place in my life where where everything hit the fan. And, um, you know, for the first time in my marriage, uh, m- my wife was able to seriously ask me, uh, in a, you know, in a, in a serious way, are, are you gay? And, um, and it scared me so much. And I realized at that moment that my life was falling apart and Mm. there was nothing I could do about it. And so I, I thought I could either push this down even further and make it worse, or I could try to get help. And so at that point, um, I'd already been progressing very much in my faith and, and how I believed about things was very different at that point. And, um, I'd already come to a place where I felt affirming of other people. It just still didn't feel like an option for myself. Again, it it felt so compartmentalized. And so I, um, I reached out to an affirming pastor friend of mine and, um, started talking to him for a couple hours, explaining how I'd felt since I was a kid. And, and when I was a kid, through all this stuff, like not even just the, um, you know, sort of Calvinist versus Armenian ideas, um, it was so much more. Uh, I was that kid that, you know, I'd read the Bible as a teenager front to back, you know, Genesis to Exodus six times as a kid. I, I, I memorized the book of James. I, I, would, I was in this thing called Bible Bowl where mm-hmm. you just knew Bible trivia. Like I was like <laughs> that nerd. Yeah. And, um, it was so important to me. And I think part of it was maybe trying to even understand myself, uh, trying to understand why do I feel this way? And I, I took a lot of solace and comfort in uh, the story of Jonathan and David and First Samuel uh, chapters 18 through 20. And um, like I thought to myself, like, again, this is kind of growing up in that worldview, but I just thought, man, if I could just find a friendship like that, then maybe I wouldn't have to be gay. And, uh, uh, because that was the last thing I wanted and cause I was so scared of it. And from the way I grew up, it was just taught as this awful, awful thing. And so, uh, so yeah, I think I started explaining all this to a friend of mine. And after a couple hours of talking, uh, I said for the first time out loud to somebody, I said, I think I might be gay. And I just lost it. I started bawling and bawling oh. and, uh, and it scared me so much, but it also felt so liberating to say it out loud to somebody. And, um, and yeah, so he, he got me with a counselor friend of his. And uh, through a few months of counseling, I finally was able to admit to myself and my family that I was gay. And I came out. And, uh, and then several months later, I, I came out publicly uh, to my fans. And uh, that was a bit crazy. But, uh, uh, you know, now looking back, uh, it's crazy to see how healthy your life can get when you're honest with yourself and you're Hmm. vulnerable. And and, uh, I just cannot believe how happy and free I feel. All these things that I thought I was never going to feel like I just I think I just sort of at some point in my marriage thought, well, this is like this thing that I can never tell anyone that I've had have these feelings and I will do whatever it takes to be the man that my wife needs me to be. And it took me that long 
to realize I'm never going to be, I'm not the man my wife needs me to be, uh, by, by hiding this. And I'm never going to be that because I am, I am not a straight man. And, 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 uh, that was, that was very hard to accept. And, uh, and I thought I was making a sacrifice for her, but what I was really doing was, uh, keeping her just as tortured as I was. And I did not understand that for a, for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I think because I was able to do the studying and, and sort of come to the sort of, uh, because I was able to leave this fundamentalist, uh, ideology before I, I came to that place of accepting myself. Yeah. I am thankful that I'd already done the work there because I was at least able to, um, not have to beat myself up like crazy at that point as awful as it felt. And it, and it hurt like crazy. And there was so much to grieve in that, in that time. I also knew, Hey, I, I am, I am just as much of a victim, uh, of this as, as anyone, you know, and my wife is a victim. She was a victim, but, um, we were both victims to this, uh, super toxic theology that, uh, is taught in, in, in really the whole fundamentalist evangelical Christian world. And, uh, when you grow up being brainwashed to believe you can be something that you're not and that God will hate you if you are gay, uh, I'm sorry, but you end up making kind of shitty decisions and, 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 and that's not your fault. And, uh, and, and the church would love to blame you and villainize you and make you look evil like, like mine did, uh, because it is way easier for them to villainize, um, the LGBTQ person than it is to take responsibility for the fact that, Hey, it's because we, we raised you to, to think this way. It's mm-hmm. why your marriage is fucked up. It's why um, why you ended up where you did. And for them to have to do that would mean having to rethink everything they do. <laughs> and, yeah. and and most churches don't want to do that. And that's why it takes right. a really long time to see these churches and denominations change because they don't want to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's tough. <laughs> that's, that's extremely tough. But... Um, you know, it's also given me a passion to be in this for the, the long fight and, and also to see and realize how many people have been in it for a long fight before me that allowed me to come to a place of, of being able to accept myself. And, uh, and man, it is crazy. It is crazy how damaging this theology is in all kinds of ways, but especially, uh, in this case for the, for the LGBTQ community. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I face the effects of that now. Uh, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of time grieving, uh, things that I've missed out on in life because I couldn't accept myself and how long it took me to. And, uh, I definitely, I definitely have time to grieve that, but I also have two beautiful kids. And I think anybody with kids understands this, that, doesn't matter how messed that up it was that you got there. It doesn't make any of it okay. But once you have kids, you wouldn't change it for the world because right. now you got these two, two beautiful kids. And so um, it doesn't, you know, I've had people from my church I grew up in tell me, well, hey, 
you can't call our theology toxic when that's the reason you have your kids. I'm like, is that what you tell rape victims that, um, hey, you know, it can't be that bad when you have your beautiful kid. Like, that does not make it better. And, mm-hmm. that, and I think that's very important for people to understand as well. Because I think, I mean, these people are so hell-bent on defending their little box that they live in because they're so scared it's going to crumble that, um, that they would way rather hurt you villainize you and demonize you um then think there might be a chance something is wrong with the systemic oppression yeah 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 that's that's so much to have to have uh endured and gone through for for you and for your entire family sure i mean with um just just sort of focusing on on what's happened in the last two years because it was around um it, it was just around two years ago, right? When when you you uh, you had your your feature published in the like a Columbus Arts magazine, and you, yeah, you, it's I called Six One Four magazine, right. and, uh, and and yeah, so I I guess when that happened, it got picked up by like the New York Times and yeah. Billboard magazine, and all you know all those kind of things went right. Went and and it sort of everywhere, right? And it sort of happened. Uh, I mean, it was it was a it was a very public uh, it was a very public event and uh, i mean you are you were a public figure already and sure. then you have this sort of scrutiny placed on you um yeah I, I think um I, I i guess scrutiny but also at the same time i got very lucky i think and in the sense that well one it, it was i mean definitely an encouragement to me how much the world has changed um mm-hmm. over the last several years and how it's so much easier it was so much easier for me to come out two years ago than it was eight years ago when Jennifer Knapp came out and how much, um, I don't know, hurt was put on her. And, and there were definitely a lot of people throwing stones at me. But uh, when I came out, um, you know, it was like the number one trending topic in the world on Facebook for a few days. And I, I, I was so lucky to have the mainstream media just pour out so much love on me because it really did drown out any of the hate that came in. And, um, I mean, there were just, you know, millions of people coming to stand by my side that it really, uh, all the, the sort of homophobes and the, the, uh, vitriol, uh, paled in comparison. And so I think, I think I got very, very blessed in that way. And, and, and it was wonderful because I was able to use my story to have a, a chance to, um, share it in a very honest and vulnerable way where I think it was able to impact a lot of other people's lives and, and give other people courage to, to know that they're loved. And, um, I don't know, I think, I think that was very important for me and that was definitely my hope in, in sharing it and, in, in that, in that mm-hmm. way. And, um, I don't know, it, it was, it was exciting to see, Hey, the world is, the world is changing and it's, and it's, it's changing fast right now, which, oh, yeah, which definitely. is great. Yeah, 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 it is. It is definitely, and I mean, there are, you know, plenty of communities um, that are very openly active, like in, in affirming, like the faithfully LGBT like hashtag sure, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. is really active on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, different elements of like um, various people that have been on this podcast, um, evangelicals of, of many different stripes, even right. if they don't use that term all the time. Um, 
you know, there's uh, there's a lot of activity around um, <laughs> around being very affirming, and there is yeah. obviously there's a lot of activity on the other side, and I mean even. Uh, with the Supreme Court case with the Baker and everything that just got yeah. handed down this week when we record this, um, you know, there's it's it's still there. Still a lot of mixed there's still out Yeah, there. there's a lot yeah. of I mean, there's there's still pe- people that that want to discriminate and that have that toxic theology and toxic belief. But right. um, it's it, it is it is heartening to hear that um, that you, the response Overall, um, to to your announcement um, and then the way in which you did it was received well. Uh, yeah, is, absolutely. So, in the, since that time, you've also started to um, record uh, on your own. Um, so, how did that transition start to happen as well? Yeah. So, I think at that time, I just decided that I really wanted to. Um, hang up my old Christian band and start over. Uh, I had been doing that band since I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was just, uh, I was so ready for something new. I'd, I had put out a side project actually with, uh, with another guy, uh, the summer before that, like, um, basically three months before my life had hit the fan Mm -hmm. and, uh, ended up having quite a falling out when all this happened. And, uh, just sort of, Decided in that time, hey, I want to start over and uh, I want to start fresh as me and getting to be my most authentic self. Uh, and so I decided to put out my first solo album. And so I, uh, I, you know, obviously wasn't on a Christian record label anymore. And I, uh, I just did a Kickstarter and I raised all the money to do it. And I just put out uh, my first album. It's called Love Is Love, and I'm. Um, very proud of it. It's very uh, personal and very much about all the uh, kind of range of emotions that I, I have felt over these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's been really uh, therapeutic and good. A uh, couple of songs I definitely uh, wrote, uh, spent half the time writing, laying on my floor, crying my eyes out. Oh, and then, and then, And then some of them are just sort of uh, turning the corner and are about sort of the excitement that I have felt of getting to experience those things uh, that I had never experienced before. Those butterflies that you allow yourself to feel and you don't feel shame over. You feel you get to feel excitement just like any person should. And uh, and uh, and there's definitely songs about that. And that's sort of like uh, I don't know those crushes and uh, I, all those things that that I had never gotten to experience before and so um yeah, yeah. It, it's been really good and so so i put out that record uh just a couple months ago i've put out a couple of music videos for it i'm getting ready to shoot another one and i'm also working on my first book right now so oh, wow. definitely have plenty keeping myself <laughs> busy with but i'm very excited and uh grateful to be doing it and and feeling like i'm able to use my work and my art to, um, to, uh, talk about my story or just like even, you know, think about my own story in in an artistic way and to have that vulnerability. I think there's just like a level to it that I had never been able to go personally because I had never been able to allow myself 
to open open up to even think about those things. And so to kind of be at this place in my artistic journey and my own life where where I feel like there's this level of vulnerability that I have never been at before uh, is very exciting. And, uh, you know, it's nice because I, there's no there's no rules. And I think one thing that's scary about the Christian music industry is what makes it feel so fake and generic to so many people is, is it is because uh, it's like the one genre, one that's not described by its style, but it's a belief. And it's like <laughs> yeah. this, it's this expected belief. So even if you don't feel those things, you're expected to write about it. And there is no, uh, it automatically takes the vulnerability and transparency out of your music which yeah. I, I believe is what leads to so much shitty Christian music. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to, uh, to process, but yeah, I've definitely, um, spent these last couple of years as I've been able to kind of find myself also processing why I got to where I did and how I ended up where I did and what led me to make the decisions that I did. And, um, yeah, I, I think there is so much uh, uh, to talk about and fight against when it comes to the systemic oppression of the LGBT community in the in the evangelical uh, church. That mm-hmm. um, that I think uh, there's just there's a huge fight ahead, and I think it's 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 worth every bit of it. And uh, I'm just you know realizing how it affected me, how it affected, uh, my ex-wife, how it, uh, affects so many people, millions and millions of people. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's disgusting and it's sad and it's toxic and it's damaging. And, um, I don't know, I feel this, this passion to see it change and, uh, it's changing everywhere else. And, and like uh, slavery, I think the church is always behind everybody else. But mm-hmm. I, I, I and, and so many things that we've had to work through as a humanity, you know, um, uh, women's rights, uh, equal rights for uh, people of different colors, uh, for the LGBT community. Um, this just happens to be um, one of the big things that we're trying to work through right now obviously all those other things are still there and not completely mm-hmm. worked through right. but um i think i think this is something that uh has become uh, a huge a huge issue in our time and uh i definitely i don't know i hope to see it change and i definitely am doing everything i can to keep my kids from having to unlearn a bunch of stuff when they get older right. that yeah. that can mess up their lives <laughs> right. so yeah yeah that's that's a big deal yeah absolutely thing that I think would be really interesting to hear you talk about is 
for someone that might find themselves in either like an evangelical youth group or a Christian college. Um, yeah. In a sort of place where they where um, they are being taught something that makes them devalue themselves or question yeah. their sexuality um, and the validity of their sexuality. Um, what are the sort of things that, that you um, would – want them to hear and the sorts of things that had been encouraging to you as you sort of, as you had to reckon with your, with your sexuality in such a, you know, very painful and, and difficult way. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just in the way in which you described it, like there was, there was, there was this grieving, there was this denial of it. There was, Having to come shame, to yeah, all, yeah, all these elements to 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 how you described, um, how you described how how you experienced this for so much of your life, um, right? For someone for someone that might be a, a a young a young person that is develop you know is developing feelings just like anyone yeah. does, but is um is being taught this toxic theology that we've been talking about that, that right. denigrates, denigrates LGBTQ people. What, yeah. what do you think would be good for, for them to hear? Um, in this, in, yeah, yeah, I would say, Oh, sorry. I don't mean to. Oh no, I, w- I was just, I know it's fine. I would say, uh, there's a couple different things there because, uh, the first thing you have to see is what can you help and what can't you. And so anytime, if you can help it and you are able to come to this realization, this environment is bad for me. Um, it is actually hurting my life. Um, it is destroying the way I feel. It's making me feel like something is wrong with me that I'm unvalued. Uh, my, my first instinct is yes, run from that. Like that is not where the life is anywhere. Anytime you find your place, self in a place that, uh, that you realize this is not where the life is, I, I definitely uh, believe it is always good to run from that if, if possible. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, I think there are cases that you'll find where, um, where that is a lot easier said than done. Like, you know, a kid whose family goes to an evangelical church, he's part of this, he or she is or they are a part of this evangelical uh, youth group, community, whatever. Um, or, you know, I just met with some students from Liberty University last month, and um, just seeing how difficult of a situation that they found themselves in, because I think all of them were hoping the same things, that it would get better, that, you know, that those yeah. feelings would go away, that they if they would just commit their lives to God, that it would, it would be fine. And also, you know, they're kind of working through all those things while they're already there, while, the, while they've already paid the tuition to go there, while, while it would be super hard for them to just uproot everything and go. Uh, um, and, and I'm sure each of them are in different situations. Maybe some can, but a lot of them can't. And, um, and so I would just say like, my biggest thing that I'm realizing and that I've seen over these last couple of years is it is not just about uh, the clo- quote unquote clobber verses. And if, if 
there are any LGBTQ listeners that have grown up in the faith, they, they understand what I'm talking about. Cause mm-hmm. you know, it only talks about same sex acts, what, six times in the Bible. And, um, and yes, I understand why that there are things that are valid that are worth talking about, like this fact that the word homosexual was not even a word until like the late 1800s. And so when you see homosexual in the Bible, that's not what it was saying. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's very just, I don't think, if you want to be flippant, yes, you could quickly say, oh, well, they're not talking about the same thing. And yeah, maybe they're not because they wouldn't have understood what it would be like to be in a committed same-sex relationship. Now, my my only point is, even if you tried to explain that to Paul right now, if like somehow that was possible, mm-hmm. uh, who who wrote most of the New Testament, I'm I'm I don't I'm not automatically assuming oh he would be on board. Oh, sorry, I had this all wrong, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, because because yeah, I'm sure most of what he saw or what they saw in 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 ancient uh, cultures. Uh, what uh, would have been temple prostitution with other, you know, with boys or, um, you know, all kinds of things that, uh, you know, married men sleeping with guys on the side, uh, probably because they were gay and it was culturally assumed you should get married. And so, like, I get all that. But you can't even have a realistic conversation, in my opinion, about that if you're still playing the same game that fundamentalists are playing. Yeah. So if, if, if your goal is to keep having these same assumptions that uh, God wrote the entire Bible, it's all inerrant and flawless and all these things that we've come up with, to me uh, – you're not going to convince somebody that has their own fundamentalist beliefs by trying to keep a fundamentalist theology and getting people to believe that it's not wrong to be gay. And maybe you will, some people, and and, and maybe that's even for lack of uh, <laughs> um, cognitive brain work to actually like really wrestle with it and try and figure it out. Because more often than not in those circumstances i would say that people probably come to change because they see somebody that they love that's in a loving relationship with someone of the same sex or you know you know i i I don't think Mm -hmm. it's i just don't think it's that simple but what i think is very important uh for people in those situations is to not start with oh well does the bible say it's wrong to be gay um, yeah, you can have that conversation, but what I think is way more important to start with is how do I look at the Bible? Do I look at, at it as a trajectory of ancient history of how people experience the divine? And, um, and, and I think when you can look at it that way and see it, that it can be this beautiful thing, um, but it's not <laughs> something that uh, God ordained and wrote every word of, and um, you have to figure out. And if it was, there wouldn't be thirty-three thousand denominations of different ideas and <laughs> beliefs, and blah blah blah. Right. And but so to me, that's like a way more important starting conversation because how you see uh, your faith, if you have that faith still. Um, is way more important as a foundation of 
working out those other things when you talk about well, what did that really mean when they wrote that? Uh, because if your starting point is still in fundamentalism, I think, uh, honestly, you're just going to keep beating yourself up. And I see people do it all the time. And uh, I just don't think I don't think that's healthy or good. And I think it can still lead to really bad beliefs in other things. And you don't want to be this person that wants to be accepted that still has very bigoted ideas about other things. And right. so um, to me... Uh, whether you're a Christian or agnostic or some other faith or atheist, I don't care. Uh, what has to be the most important starting point of our lives is to admit that you don't have to know. Um, you don't have to know everything, and right. it's okay. It's okay to not know, and 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 that isn't that supposed to be the idea of faith anyway <laughs> you know it's okay to not have to have the answer for everything and to admit that there are certain things uh that you just can't know and um the thing that i automatically think for any young person this was a long way of getting to this answer but uh, <laughs> i think for any young person that is in that place um i would say do not trust anybody that pretends to have definite answers of things that you definitely cannot know for sure. And, uh, <laughs> That's a good and so, so if you, if you put your faith in, in, uh, Jesus or, or God or the Christian faith, um, and you are in that, uh, evangelical environment and whether it's your school or your, or your church or youth group or whatever, um, and you're in a place that you feel like you either enjoy being there or uh, or you're sort of stuck there for this season of life. Um, yeah, um, start start with that. Start with not trusting anyone that pretends to have the answers definitively of things that you cannot definitively have the answers for. And, um, and if, if people can say, Hey, I don't know if you can start every belief with, I could be wrong, but here's what my faith is. Then, then at least that's a healthy place to start. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if you cannot do that with your framework of your faith, um, I would say those should be your first, uh, kind of flags, uh, red flags of something is, something is definitely wrong here. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it does sound like for you still, it, it's also like, like faith remains an important part of, of your, of your life and something that, that you continue to engage in, even as you've, yeah. sort of, even as you've had these momentous shifts in your life over the last few yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. I, uh, personally, uh, grew up loving the, the stories of the Bible, the stories of Jesus, I personally uh, think that there's a lot of things in the Bible uh, that uh, probably did not happen, especially in the Old Testament, um, that were handed down orally for probably hundreds of years before they actually got written down. And... Um, and a lot of them were meant to be stories, and uh, mm -hmm. and and it's very easy for literal literalist fundamentalists to uh, categorize 
uh, these things wrong because they want it all to be this like same equal uh, spectrum through the whole thing, which leads to a lot of really uh, illogical things. And um, and so yeah, for me, I uh, I love the idea of Jesus, and um, I love. I love believing. Uh, I love believing that the stories of him are true, while I also uh, deep down think all the time. I mean, does anybody think the same thing all the time? Even your beliefs, whether you're right. atheist, like there's got to be sometimes we're like, well, maybe there's a God, you know. And I think, uh, and I think for me, as a Christian, I still self-identify as a Christian. Um, I think, yeah, there's probably a really good chance a lot of this is wrong or just did not happen or has been retold for whatever reason, you know? And, and, and I think there are times that I feel differently about what my faith looks like, but, um, I also love believing that there is some divine energy being god whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe that there's hopefully <laughs> something more going on than we can understand because none of it makes sense whether you believe in god or you don't believe in god <laughs> like the fact that the fact that we're here the fact that any of this is happening right now that we're on a ball spinning in space that there is space or a universe or a solar systems um it's crazy. It's all not, it's weird. The whole thing is weird. And so, um, I personally love believing that there's some divine thing that, that did it on, that is a part of it on purpose, that we are purposely here and we are loved and that there's some kind of joy, uh, from us being here. And, for me and my faith tradition, I love believing that there was this guy, Jesus, that talked about these things. And um, and I love the message of Jesus that uh, that everything can be summed up in loving that divine being with all your heart and everything you have. And the only way that you can know what it is to love that divine being is to love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. so if those really, if that was the message of Jesus, if that's what it all came down to is to love God with everything you have, you can say, God, you can say something else. I don't care. But like, you know, to believe that there's something more and to have gratitude for that. And mm-hmm. the only way you can have gratitude for that is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's like, that's a faith tradition. I love, I can can get behind and that I can be a proud to be a part of. And that I can be thankful that I grew up believing that because all the other weird twists and stuff didn't come to until I was a little bit older. You know, I grew up like most kids believing that Jesus really does love all the little children of the world. Right. And, um, and so whatever, uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah, me, it's not, it's not that big of a deal if you still identify with that or if the, the version of Jesus you were handed was so awful and messed up your life so bad that you don't want any part of that. I get that, you know? Right. And that's why I also say run from that if you find yourself in that toxic situation. But yeah, also definitely. realize um, everybody grows up with different versions of Jesus handed to them. And that's that's part of the thing I've 
that I have toured in thousands of churches all over the world is seeing that um, a lot of people may have grown up with really healthy versions of Jesus, and then a lot of people probably haven't. And and if and if you're uh, whatever you believe about salvation, or if your um, relationship with God is somehow dependent on the Ver- not not even what religion you grew up with, but like which version of the religion you grew up with. <laughs> yeah. Well, gosh, maybe <laughs> then maybe the whole predestination thing is right. You know? But like, so it's just it's so goofy to think that 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 even can be possible. And so, um, I guess I don't know. I guess for me and like the way I'm raising my kids is like you know uh, to grow up with this gratitude for this divine being, but to um to understand that uh it doesn't matter which belief you grow up with but just to be thankful for this life and the only way you can ever know what it might be to know god or this divine thing that has given us life uh whether that's like a a cognitive being or whether that's some energy of whatever the universe is mm-hmm. uh if you can have a gratitude for that, and the only way you can express that gratitude is to love your neighbor, then that's that's what I want to raise my kids with and, and for them to believe. And that means whatever it is your neighbor believes, uh, that that as long as that's not destroying other people's lives, if that's <laughs> as long as that's not some systemic oppressive uh, belief, then then that's okay. And right. uh, um and 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 when those beliefs, yeah do become problematic are, are when they are damaging other people's lives. And, um, I think that is important to talk about. And so it's not as simple as believe whatever you want, because if your belief destroyed my life growing up, well then fuck your belief. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. Right. That's why, I mean, that's why people speak out against things like this, you know, these aspects of evangelicalism that are yeah. so entrenched um, that that they damage people's lives constantly. Yeah. Whether it's, but, you know, it, yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what it. What I will say is for as many times as I wanted to feel the divine in so many of these churches that I've been a part of or grew up in or have played at, um, and, and how many times those things have felt empty and generic and uh, grasping for something that wasn't there. And, 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 and I'm sure so many of us can relate to those feelings like, come on, God, why can't I feel you right now? I will say where I have felt uh, um, maybe that feeling more than anywhere has been uh, the time at my favorite gay bar here in Columbus, Ohio, or any time that I go out to um, gay bars or, or gay pride events, because, uh, you know, to see people that have been so damaged and so hurt, uh, by families, by, by their faith community, by, by so, so many things. Um, I see people come into this space where, you know, that no matter who you are, uh, how you're living your life, that you're loved and accepted exactly as you are and that you can come into that place and feel, um, like it's okay to be you. Like, gosh, doesn't that, that, doesn't that sound like what the church was supposed to be like? And I think, uh, (laughs) I think, I think, um, 
Yeah, I, I feel that every time I, I go into like a gay bar, a gay dance club, and um, or queer, you know, whatever LGBTQ, and um, and uh, it's been amazing to me because I've had the most spiritual, spiritually moving conversations uh, with so many people in those spaces that feel way more meaningful and deep than, than so many experiences I've had in, in church walls. And I think there's a good reason for that because there's this acceptance level and vulnerability level and lack of judgment. And, um, and I think, uh, I don't know. I, I think I've realized, gosh, that's what Jesus was up to. <laughs> you know, like all these stories about Jesus hanging out with the drunkards or the prostitutes or whatever, you know, and Jesus constantly saying, do not judge, you know, uh, like all of a sudden, like, when you walk into a gay bar, you're like, Oh my gosh, it all just made sense. Like that, that's, that's what it was about. And, um, and I, you know, I, I wish more and more churches would get that, especially in that evangelical community, yeah. uh, where there, where there is so much judgment and so much lack of acceptance. And, right. um, you know, you can't be a leader. You can't, you can't help with our kids. You know, something is wrong with you. Like when you can let go of those judgments and those fears, uh, it's it's an absolutely beautiful thing, and and uh, that's been interesting and beautiful and extremely emotional to find that community uh, in the LGBTQ community over these last couple of years for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that sentiment that you mentioned, like of uh, it, it comes across in one of your songs actually, um, the the don't dance one um because yeah, you actually have yeah. a you actually have a line in there about like if you think i'm going to hell yeah. <laughs> don't dance yeah, um, <laughs> like i said every every one of those songs is very personal <laughs> um but yeah i think like there's a certain uh lightheartedness to that but also very direct uh you know i think uh here's the deal like there's this party going on and and maybe this is uh the message of Jesus the whole time, but, uh, you know, there's this party going on, you're invited, but if you're, if you're going to sit in your judgmental stink hole, stay home, you know, don't come. (laughs) And that's what hell is. Go live in your own hell. And we're all going to just, uh, we're all going to dance. We're all going to party. And, uh, and, uh, you know, you choose whether you want to live in your judgmental world of fear or not. And, uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's that's very much um, something that has been crazy to to see and experience, and um, gosh, to have the gratitude to come out of that world and to come out of the village and see what yeah. it's like on the other side, and go, holy shit, that was crazy! <laughs> and, like that, what a good feeling to like just like feel like uh, freedom from that, and mm-hmm. uh, you know. Um, it's crazy to me because I talk about this all the time, but there, there are so many people that are still so entrenched in that world of fear that um, it's almost like they, they, I see it, I see it in their faces uh, when I talk to them about it, uh, or when I when I do talk about it, uh, just how much freedom and joy and peace that I have felt uh, from one accepting myself and coming to this place in life. But it's not just about being gay. It's it's leaving that whole world of fear and judgmentalism, and um, to be set free from all that. Oh my gosh, that is that is the most uh, overwhelming uh, 
joyful feeling that, that mm-hmm. you can ever experience. And, um, and, uh, that, that pisses people off cause they think, man, if I just do this right, if I just, if I right. stay, if I stay in the word, if I, if I, if I sacrifice all this joy and live my life for God, uh, then I'll experience that joy and peace that, that, that it talks about in the Bible. Right. And, um, it's just, it's completely missing the whole mark. It's, it's such a totally different belief system than Jesus, you know? And I think, you know, I think that's the thing that, that the same things that pissed Jesus off about religious people then, um, you know, the, the sort of, Pharisees and uh, and uh, the whole culture of of doing the right thing and having the right beliefs. Um, but I think I think those are the same things that Jesus rail, railed against in in his day. And uh, it's weird when you grow up in this religion in his name <laughs> uh, to find out. Oh gosh, we just grew up like the Pharisees that Jesus hated, <laughs> you know. And that, yeah. that's that's a very that's a hard thing to accept, especially when that is your, when that's your comfort zone, that's your worldview, that's your, right. um, that's your tribe, and um, and and leaving the tribe, gosh, that's that's one of the scariest things you can do. Absolutely, that's what, that's what exactly what this whole endeavor that, that we're talking about is all about. I get it. You know, it's yeah, like it's I, all I love about, what you guys are doing, and um, yeah, yeah, and it, I mean, uh, yeah. And you're absolutely right. I'm just trying, I'm really just trying to, you know, affirm what you're saying is like, like mm. it takes a lot of, it does take that vulnerability, but it, there is like, there is an upside, you know, there, there can be a cost, oh, yeah. but, and, and the one, of, one of the things that, that, you know, people, it, it was from, you know, it was for me. Like there's there's like a sunk cost fallacy, you know. You you sunk so much time and energy and and yeah. effort into this, you know. And like, yeah. damn it, it's gonna pay off. But like sometimes <laughs> the sunken cost just doesn't it doesn't pay off. And um, that's oh, why yeah. that's why it's called a fallacy, you know. Like so, yeah. Um. And that's that is why you know that is why it can be so hard and why it's so good to hear stories like yours and like so many mm. others of people that have moved on and there there's there's bad that comes with it but there's also good um yeah and that that's that's what you know that that's what can be encouraging and even just knowing that there are people like like yourself that have that have done that mm. Well, mm. thank you. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to be able to, um, sort of share with other people that have gone through similar journeys and especially mm-hmm. in this kind of world of evangelicalism and fundamentalism and, mm-hmm. um, and to be able to, to, to finally get away from it and be around, when you've been asking yourself, when you've been so entrenched in it for so long and you've been, and, and there's this part of you deep inside going, am I crazy? Like, is this, <laughs> yeah. is this real? Like, yeah. what, what? <laughs> am I the crazy one is like, am I the only one that thinks this is nuts? And, and to find out, oh my gosh, it's all these other people that have gone through the same thing and to be right. able to, 
kind of share that together and um, talk about our experiences and tell our truths and have that vulnerability. And, and uh, you know, once once that fear is gone of of having the wrong belief or or you know fitting up to some standard that people expect from you mm-hmm. like you know especially like being in a christian band or just being in an evangelical church where you're not supposed to drink you're not you know or at least not around those people you know right. yeah. or, or 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 cuss or or you're supposed to like say the right things like oh i'll be praying for you brother you know like just whatever like to finally <laughs> be able to let go of all of those things that you're yeah. supposed to do or supposed to think and, and to just be honest and to realize in that honesty and that vulnerability, that's where the freedom is. That's where the peace is and the joy. And, and then to um, share that and share it with other people that have gone through the same thing. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. So what are you, uh, what, what's on the horizon for you right now? What are, what's, yeah. um, what, what do you have going on? I mean, um, it is pride month, so I'm kicking off pride season and, and full gear doing a bunch of pride festivals, um, around the country and doing some other festivals as well. There's actually one, uh, Christian festival that I still partake in down in uh, North Carolina called wild goose festival. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a very progressive one. There's a, there's an, um, LGBTQ tent there. There is a, there's a beer tent by main stage. It's, it's like the most non-Christian Christian festival. I mean, it's great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, to kind of, I'll, I'll be, I'll be performing there and, um, yeah, I'm doing a bunch of shows, uh, all around the country. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually doing a bunch of house shows. I do, I do this thing around my concerts called Trey's safe space tour. And I have a private group, uh, on Facebook called Trey's safe space where, where there's just a bunch of people that, um, you know, uh, it's basically for any LGBTQ person or allies that want to, uh, come just like share stories, questions, have those conversations. And so I actually, uh, go around, uh, talking, um, at a lot of like different house shows or, uh, sometimes churches that are affirming and accepting, uh, where I, where I share my story and just talk about things. So I'm actually doing a lot of that, uh, through the summer and into the fall as well. And, uh, and I'm, like I said, uh, earlier, I am, working on my first book. And so I think between all that and promoting the new album, there's actually a couple other things going on that I can't talk about yet, but, um, I'm, I'm keeping quite busy and being a dad of two crazy kids. So we actually (laughs) just got done hiking and tucking them in right before I got on this conversation with you. So that, uh, that keeps me quite crazy as well, but they get to go out with me a bunch too, or sometimes. And, uh, yeah, so I'm co-parenting and figuring out half of my life being this, uh, kind of, uh, single dad, uh, and the other half of my life figuring out what it's like to be a single gay man (laughs) and, uh, and, uh, and experience these things in life that I never got to before. And that's quite exciting as well. That's great. And where can people find you just online? Yeah, just go to TreyPearson.com and um, you can find everything there. But all my social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that is just at Trey Pearson. And so uh, it's it's pretty easy to find me. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's great. Trey, thanks so much for, for coming on the show and, and sharing so much. Yeah, uh, it, it was a pleasure. And um, I love what you're doing. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. to make your mind up quit trying to break them in down i'm free to be myself when i'm alone this time we gotta stand up won't ever put our hands down i feel the energy that's all around